ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. I'm Scott Prather. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Joining me now, he is uh, one of the four members of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. You guys know about it here. I know there's a big following in the Lafayette area. Um, you know, Ralph, friend of mine, Andrew's known him a lot longer. Andrew Juge has been on the show a number of times, and he joins me. Right now, he is uh, the guy with the Saints Happy Hour podcast. He does the grades for the games for the Patreon. He's been in the business for a while, and uh, he joins us this morning. Good morning, Andrew. I'm sorry. I'm rambling here with this intro. How are you? No, I, I appreciate it. You know, there's not, not too many people in this world that talk me up like that, so I, I really <laughs> I appreciate it, man. But, uh, no, it's it's uh, obviously it's a good time to talk Saints, and uh, – I don't think we all really knew what to expect. I mean, there, there was some hope. There was some concerns. There were some injuries. There were some players missing. So, you know, it's just kind of a mixed bag going in. And for the Saints to deliver and have a game like that, it's, uh, you know, we're basking in the glory for a while here. So, you know, aside from, from injuries, which we'll get into, Andrew, I just wanted to get your thoughts, honestly, on the COVID situation revolving around the Saints uh, with six offensive coaches that are in protocol um you know one player turned out to be Michael Thomas who's on the you know uh, pup list anyway but in terms of potential impact here and you know it's early in the season there have been some that speculated maybe the individuals all went to a, a particular kind of club around the Dallas area uh but but in terms of of on field practice things like that what kind of impact do you see this potentially having uh, you know, it's pretty significant. Um, look, if, there, if there's a coach that is prepared to kind of deal with adversity and adjust on the fly, it's Sean Payton. I, I, I really do think he's in a league of his own in terms of coming, coming up with a plan and just having the wherewithal to deal with and adjust from curveballs that are thrown at him during the week. And, and this is nothing new. I mean, you'll remember last year uh, there was the fullback that, that got the fake positive going into the Lions game, uh, and the running back room was up all night dealing with that. Uh, they had the whole running back room wiped out thanks to the Alvin Kamara situation going into week 17 last year, and we're able to win that game in Carolina. So, um, look, it's going to be difficult. Uh, luckily, all these coaches are vaccinated, so they, they have to produce two negative tests uh, before they're able to come back and you know, who knows how long that's going to take, but there's a possibility that they're going to be available and be on the sidelines. As far as Michael Thomas is concerned, you know, I'll be honest. I don't want to say this is the best case scenario. I mean, obviously you hope the guy's okay first and foremost, uh, but assuming he's going to be okay, uh, he's going to develop some natural immunity here. So uh, the fact that he's gotten COVID and that he's recovering from it, uh, this probably sets him up and, you know, depending on, what you read and what you believe, whether it's three months or whether it's six months, for a good part of the season, once he returns, uh, the risk of him getting COVID again is virtually nil. And so uh, maybe it's a blessing in disguise He's the way now, uh, but certainly it's a challenge in getting prepared. You need these assistant coaches. Uh, it, it's not just Sean and There's so many guys that contribute. There's not a lot of information out there, so it's difficult to know which guys are, are potentially going to be out and, and what position groups are going to be affected. Uh, but certainly uh, this was going to be a challenge coming into this week anyway, and it's a little bit more difficult now. 
All right, Andrew. Now I just, I guess, talk about some of the injuries right now, some big ones right now facing this team. Is that how he pronounces the last name? Yeah, Fink. So yeah, he, he, he used to be in Lafayette, and I don't know him personally, but he's said some nice things about me, so I, I like the guy. But he's a, um, he's a doctor. You reached out to him regarding various injuries. And uh, this recent one with Marshawn Lattimore, he had the surgery on the thumb yesterday. He got the big payday. But, you know, last Sunday's sort of incredible Saints game aside, just looking ahead to the next quarter of the season – what, what what do you think the time frame is, give or take, for a lot of more, and and maybe you know how they're going to look at quarter with or without him for that matter? Yeah, well, he, he's a good friend of mine, and uh, he's a patron of the show and uh, one of our loyal listeners. Um, so I call him Thomas, but I, I guess I should call him Doctor Frank here. But yeah, no, he, I I have to say, over the years, I have picked his brain, and you know, obviously, he, he's in sports medicine, and you know, the, the injuries that he sees are exactly what happens on the field. So. He's got a tremendous amount of experience with it. And uh, from Drew Brees' thumb injury and, and my, the Michael Thomas situation, I mean, he has been spot on in his predictions uh, every single time. Uh, it, it's amazing how accurate he is with projections uh, when these injuries come up. And so uh, I, I always go to him first and kind of pick his brain when he, these injuries happen. And so, you know, the issue with, with uh, obviously there was a bone uh, that chipped off in near his thumb in his hand for, for Lattimore. And so once you have that injury, uh, there, there's no real way if you cast it to make it worse at the time it's injured. And so that's why they were able to cast it and he was able to finish out the game. But then once you get the surgery, uh, there's instability. And this is the way that Dr. Fink explained it to me is there's instability around the thumb where you have to let it heal naturally uh, before he can get blunt force trauma, even with the cast, the cast isn't going to protect uh, the instability in that thumb enough until until about a couple weeks. And so, uh, Dr. Fink told me that he doesn't expect Lattimore to play this week, uh, and most likely he's out the following week as well at the Patriots. So you're probably looking at two weeks, uh, and then he would start to be able to return with a cast uh, for week four. Now you're probably in a cast for four to six weeks, so. Uh, he's gonna. That, that's gonna make it difficult to catch interceptions. It's gonna make tackling a little bit more difficult. Uh, but I think he will be effective in coverage. Uh, but you're probably looking at at least a few weeks once he returns in a cast, and then a- about six weeks out, he would get out of that cast completely. So uh, the Saints will get him back uh, sooner than later. Uh, but obviously, this is a setback, especially when you look at how well he played in this game against Devonte Adams. You know, an interesting layer to this is the Saints just traded for Bradley Roby, a corner that will be available here this coming week as he's coming off a suspension. So Bradley Roby is now available to play, and I was having discussions with Ralph and texting some other people, and after the game Paulson Adebo just played, I just asked, how could you bench this guy and put in Roby? How could you... I know you just acquired a guy and you gave up a third-round pick to get him, and the vision there was he's your number two corner. But you can't bench Adebo after the performance he just had. And I know he's just a rookie, but his performance was absolutely incredible against the Packers. And I don't think the Saints, as much as they like him and as much as they've seen promise based on his development, I don't think they expected him to come out and play the way that he did. So uh, it's, it's an interesting thing where that problem is kind of solved now uh, 
I, I don't right. I, I don't know that it's a good problem to have, but with Lattimore out, you plug Roby into the starting lineup and he will get the start and Adebo gets to hold on to his spot and those are your two corners until Lattimore can get back. Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour Podcast, our guest right now. Andrew, Marcus Davenport, I, I call him Marcus Davendorf because he's he reminds me of the actor Stephen Dorf. You know, if you look at Stephen Dorf's IMDb profile, you have a lot of junk, just kind of forgettable, like, oh, yeah, I guess so. And then you just have a few things in there that are just amazing. You know, True Detective Season 3. I know a lot of folks like Blade. I mean, you can go down and, and um, you know, the one he did, the Michael Mann movie, the uh, name of the movie escapes me with Johnny Depp and Christian Bale. Like, he has these performances in these movies where you're like, damn. And then you look at all these other ones, you're like, oh, yeah, that everyone forgot about that. Oh, yeah, that was bad. Oh, yeah, can, that's Davenport, right? Whether it be injury or, you know, in years past, just a game where he's not on the stat sheet. And then out of nowhere, I shouldn't say out of nowhere, because it's not really a surprise when he has one of these performances where he's just like, it's amazing. Like the performance, top to bottom, uh, in this metaphor, the movie, the TV show, whatever you want to call it, the game. So he's, he's like, he has the best camp of his career, bar none, according to multiple reports from people I know you and I both trust and follow. He looks good in the preseason. He is wreaking havoc all over the field on Sunday, and then he's out of the game. He's in the locker room. You get reports Monday, oh, it could be long-term. Turns out it's a pec strain. So all things considered, that's good, but now you might be missing him for, you know, a couple of weeks. I'm not sure if you asked Dr. Fink about that, but – what, what do you make of Davenport, this latest injury, and just him being, I, I don't mean it in a disrespectful way, but in terms of a football talent, he really does kind of feel like the ultimate tease, doesn't he? He really does. I mean, I, he's been really unfortunate uh, with these injuries. And, you know, I, on some level, you have to ask yourself, it's just a fact that some human bodies were not designed uh, to play sports. And, and they, they're just prone to injury, you know. And obviously, Davenport, I, should, I should rephrase that because Davenport's body is clearly designed to play sports. But, but uh, you know, some people are more injury prone than others. And obviously, he's had a tough go with that. And uh, it just seems like every time you get a little momentum and you get excited about Davenport and he makes a bunch of plays, uh, he gets another setback. And that's been the story of his career now going on year five. Uh, and... Uh, you know, I don't know that he's going to get that massive contract based on those realities. So uh, it's too bad in the sense that he just had a terrific game as well. Uh, I, I did ask Dr. Fink about the prognosis for him. The good news is it's not a torn pack. Now, anytime you, a strain is also a tear. It's just a par, partial tear. And so uh, the, the real question is the severity. And, and really, it's grade one, two, or three. It's that simple. And Grade three is a complete tear. You need surgery. You're done for the year. We know it's not that. Uh, so it's either a grade one or a grade two. Um, grade one, uh, according to Dr. Fink, you're probably looking at two to three weeks, and he might be back and, and could be effective pretty soon. Uh, if it's a grade two, then we're looking maybe at four, five, six weeks. So uh, he's not going to be out for the season. That's the good news. Uh, he will get back eventually. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Look, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy here to some degree where – uh, he's been all bark and no bite for most of his career just due to these injuries. And so this is another setback for him. Uh, but I have to say the Saints were prepared for this. And uh, it's not just uh, the drafting of 
Peyton Turner in the first round, and uh, you know he was a healthy scratch for this week, so he'll get an opportunity to play some while Davenport's out. But Carl Granderson's a the guy they've been developing. Uh, Tamio Passanio was a free agent signing, and he had a tremendous game. I thought he looked very good rushing the passer. So if there's any position on this roster where they can sustain an injury and they have the depth, it's that defensive end, and I don't think that's by accident. I think it's by design, uh, given the history with Davenport. And I, I think the Saints knew they needed a buffer there. So, um, you know, that, that probably played a sig- significantly into the Saints' decision to draft Peyton Turner. So uh, it, it's less than ideal, and uh, we'll see if he can come back and uh, maybe kind of pick up where he left off because, boy, he did look good in that game. Man, Davendorf is – like, I, I – don't get me wrong, I'm not – I'm not like personally angry at him that he's injury prone, just in terms of analyzing, you know, him as a football player. I've just, that's what I've, I've just, that's, that's what I'm expecting somewhere. Every now and then you're going to get a film like somewhere, you're going to get True Detective season three, you're going to get the Iceman, you're going to get Blade. But, you know, for every one of those, there's like 10, you know, Immortals or, or The Passage or stuff you've never heard of, right? It's just, that's, that's that's Marcus Davenport. So when you have him, it's it's almost like at this point, just I guess what I would tell fans is just don't don't take the bait anymore. Don't tell yourself, well, if 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 I think the reality is that's just what he is. You know what I mean? Like he is simply when you have him, it's great. And every now and then there's a big hit there. There's a big you know, performance, there's a big game. But to expect that week to week and it all just to come together for this perfect season, I don't think that's ever going to happen. We have a large enough sample size now to know um, extremely high ceiling, but due to injuries and, you know, whatever, it's just it's never going to be a consistent thing with him. And I think if you're still holding on hope of that, I would just tell you, move on and when he has a great performance enjoy it but you can't you can't go into each week or each season counting on it at this point because it's just not going to happen yeah i think look it's fair at this point i think to conclude that and yet if there's ever a time that he was going to turn it on and be able to put it together uh you would think that a contract year we how many times have we seen that where a guy loaded with potential puts it all together and has that season that gets him the deal that, you know, kind of sustains his life and sustains his career in the NFL. So uh, if there was ever going to be a year, this was the year. And I, I think there's a lot of chatter among Saints fans, especially given how good his training camp was, how good he looked in the preseason that, hey, maybe this is the year Davenport gets a little lucky with injuries and is able to sustain it. But, you know, once again, I think the Saints were smart with this. Uh, he, he's a starter for them unquestionably when he's healthy and when he's able to play. Uh, but uh, the Saints knew they needed a buffer, and, and that's because of his history, and history is kind of repeating itself. We'll see what Peyton Turner has in store, a healthy scratch week one. Uh, he'll undoubtedly be there in the lineup this Sunday in Carolina. And then, of course, you got Eric McCoy there, Andrew. I mean, obviously, uh, he's been tremendous since they drafted him out of A&M, and I know that on Sunday they didn't seem to miss a beat. When when he goes out, Ruiz moved over, and you had uh, you know Thackmorton in there at guard. But you know you, you bring in Kansas City starting center on the practice squad, and of course the way the Saints use the practice squad, whether it be he, Kenny Stills, and 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 moving you know Aldrick Roses the kicker around, they like to do different things. Anyway, I'm rambling. Getting back to McCoy though, 
What, what kind of on-field impact is that going to be, considering, according to multiple reports, you're probably not going to get them until after the bye week? Yeah, the, the report's out there. It's a calf strain that's going to put him out for roughly six weeks. Uh, so that, that's pretty significant. Uh, and obviously, uh, Austin Ryder's a guy uh, that, that they just signed a center who I, I think is eventually either going to start at center for the Saints or at least be an option at that spot. Um, right now he's on the practice squad, but obviously he's a guy that that's an option to call up. And so I think there's a lot of options right now and it's, they're going to, they're not going to be with McCoy for a while. So it's really at the end of the day. And, and Zach Streif has told me this for years and I've heard Sean Payton say it. It's all about starting the best five guys. You, you figure out where you can put them. Uh, but it's really about making sure you have the best five guys on the field. So uh, I think the saints were in a unique situation in this game in particular against the Packers because James Hurst, who I think is their primary reserve, was already in the game plan as a jumbo tight end. And so it was difficult to take him out of the lineup as from a jumbo tight end perspective, which is where he prepared all week, and throw him in at right guard because then half of your plays are out of the playbook uh, and you can't really use those jumbo tight end sets. So they put Brockmorton in there so that they could have James Hurst continue to do his role, which was in the game plan for that week. You know, an interesting side note is Sean Payton said, like, Will Clapp had been the backup center all of training camp, and had he not been on injured reserve, if he was good to go that week, he probably would have get, been the guy to step in at center, and they would have kept Ruiz at right guard. So I think there's a lot of options here between calling up Ryder, who has just signed, um, and, and potentially go to center. Uh, maybe you keep Ruiz at center and Throckmorton played pretty well in this game. So maybe you keep Throckmorton at right guard and start him, or uh, they can come up with a different game plan this week, a different jumbo tight end. And James Hurst, if you feel like he's your best offensive lineman of that reserve group, maybe you plug him in at right guard and you keep Ruiz at center. So there are some options here. And I think the task this week is going to be for the saints to kind of flush that out and figure out who they plug in uh, and it's a fluid situation because remember, Will Clapp is probably coming back after week three. And so if McCoy is still out, uh, there might be an opportunity at that point for Will Clapp to get some playing time at center. So uh, I, I, I think the, the good news is the Saints have some options here. Uh, and I think they'll continue exploring that. There's no other way to put it as encouraging as it is to see Cesar Ruiz come in and play the way he did. Uh, it's undeniable that losing a guy of Eric McCoy's caliber is significant. All right, I'm, I'm spending too much time talking about injuries, Andrew. Um, the defense performance, you're looking at the film, you're grading the players. Linebacker was one of those positions all offseason. I'm like, okay, you got Davis. What else do you have? Then camp starts, and oh, okay. You know, Zach Bond, I wasn't expecting any of this. Look at these two preseason games. Quan Alexander signs on his birthday late. Okay, but, you know, nine months removed from an Achilles tear, eight months, like, come on, it's, it's, it's going to take some time. There he is starting week one next to Davis. They're wreaking havoc. Uh, Caden Ellis seemed to play well. Bond's, you know, as great of a camp in preseason as he had. It's not like he's getting on the field for many snaps when Alexander's playing like that. Linebacker outside of Davis was an area that, in the summertime, I looked at it as a weakness throughout camp, preseason, and now week one. Am I getting ahead of myself, Andrew, to feel like this is a strength of the team? Or are you willing to say, after watching the film, this is a strength on this football team? Oh, absolutely. I, I, look, 
Pete Warner is a second-round pick for the Saints out of Ohio State, linebacker. Uh, they had projected him to start as a rookie, thinking they were so thin at the position, we need to draft this guy so he can help us. He had one special team snap in that game yesterday, Scott, one. He, 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 did not, he basically didn't play, and he can't see the field right now because of how deep that position is. goes exactly to what you're saying. And, uh, yeah, that is a big surprise. Look, we all know what Demario Davis brings to this team, and he looked as good as ever in that game. So I'm seeing no signs at this point of decline, uh, and he looks as good as ever. But Quan Alexander really is the story. And and Zach Bond, I mean, we got to give him a little credit, too, because he led the team in tackles in this game. So Zach Bond, uh, he he had his own moments, and uh, certainly against the run, uh, where you're starting to see the light come on, the physicality. He's learning the position and he's getting better every week. So that's great to see. But specifically with Alexander, there's a play on the very first drive of the game, and they get him singled out in coverage, and they run a crossing route with the running back, Aaron Jones. And when you see, if you freeze frame it, when Aaron Jones makes that catch, and you see where Quan Alexander is in relation to him, there's then a race to the sticks uh, for Aaron Rodgers, or I'm sorry, for Aaron Jones to try to get a first down. And Quan Alexander's sideline to sideline speed, I'm telling you, Scott, he looks faster than he did before the injury, which is shocking when you consider that it happened. It was an Achilles tear and it happened six months ago. For him to recover that quickly and have that speed, I just don't know how many linebackers in the league are making that play. Now, the, the Packers, it ends up being fourth and one. The Packers go for it on fourth down and they convert. But for him to make that play and track a running back like Aaron Jones and hit him a yard short of the sticks, it, it really was an incredible play and a statement that, hey, Quan Alexander is back because I remember Alex Anzalone being in that situation and him having to try to track down a player like that in an exact same situation. I remember it very well in the playoff game against Tampa where Quan Alexander was not there because he was out injured. And Tom Brady repeatedly attacked Anzalone in coverage with running backs, throwing the running backs. So uh, Anzalone does not make that play. And it's a first down and then some. And and so that's the difference when you have a guy like that on the field. Uh, It may not seem like much, but football is a game of inches. uh, And, you know, that's where the difference between a fourth and one and and a first down happens. So, I know the Saints are glad to have him back, and really it's against all odds that at this stage, uh, after being cut by the Saints, that he would come back at such a low contract, and to play like this, it really is remarkable. Great stuff. ESPN 1420, Andrew Juge, our guest. On the other side of the ball, Jameis Winston, toast of the town for the moment. Uh, some would say great. He had ample time. Your thoughts after watching the film, doing a deeper dive. Overall, give me a letter grade for Jameis Winston's regular season starting debut for the Saints. Well, I, I gave him an A-plus. Look, anytime you throw five touchdowns in your first start, how many years has it been since Drew Brees threw five touchdowns in a game? So uh, that, that alone, I think, deserves a lot of credit. Obviously, the pass to, to Deontay Harris is something else uh, for the long ball, and that's that's an element that hasn't been in the offense in a while. And Drew Brees even joked on, on his NBC broadcast that, hey, um, maybe that's what this offense is missing. So kudos to Drew for, for uh, making that joke. But, uh, you know, I, I know it was a welcome sight for Saints fans. 
you know, a lot of people are talking about, you know, there's a play there where the Packers are rushing three and Jameis Winston is in the pocket and he surveys the field and he's got all day to throw. And he, he's just sitting there waiting for someone to break open. It doesn't happen. And so eventually Jameis just makes the decision to throw it all over Alvin Kamara's head out of bounds for an incomplete pass. And you know, Troy Aikman, who was covering that game, immediately said, you know, th- this is exactly the situation where the Jameis of old tries to force a ball downfield. When a throw is not there, he aggressively goes down, and that's where he gets his interception total to rack up. And uh, I think that was a sign of just his maturation, his, his evolution, uh, the influence that Sean Payton has had, the influence that Drew Brees had on him from playing with him a year ago. And, you know, I'll be honest, while all that was tremendous, I would say uh, uh, one talking point that's not being brought up enough is the amount of weight that he's lost. I mean, he's committed himself physically to yoga, to training, James vegan Slimston. diet. Right. He, he has shed a lot of weight, and he, you can see the physical transformation in his body composition. Uh, but I, I think that had a tremendous effect on his scrambling ability in this game. And, and look, the Saints are thin at receiver. Uh, it was a tough matchup for Marquez Callaway uh, going up against Jair Alexander, and he, he struggled to get open. And uh, really, outside of him and Deontay Harris, there's not a lot going on at receiver. They're missing Michael Thomas. They're missing Traquan Smith. The Saints tr- struggled to get separation. And Jameis Winston had three scrambles in this game that went over 10 yards. And I, I just think the way that he managed the game, the way he made plays with his feet, this was actually the vision the Saints had all along for Taysom Hill. He, he actually looked more like the Taysom, what we hoped that Taysom Hill would be than I expected. And I, I just think a lot of it had to do with Jameis just looks quicker and faster uh, when he decides to scramble. And so I think that's an underrated element of his game that, is now, that now exists, which he maybe didn't have as much in Tampa because he was always playing a little heavier. So uh, anyway, I, I think top to bottom – very efficient performance. Uh, he did exactly what the game called for him to do. I, he had the five touchdowns. He didn't have the yard. Uh, but I think it, this game was about managing it. His defense was playing great. He was set up for success. And so when you get in situations like that, it's move the chains, keep the clock running, don't turn the ball over. That, that was his job. Uh, and, and he did it. And so obviously there's the one throw where he gets fortunate, bailed out by a rough in the passer call, where I know he would like to have that one back. Uh, but otherwise, I thought top to bottom, tremendous performance. ESPN 1420, you mentioned Taysom Hill um, embracing the role that he now has, you know, being, I guess, a backup, but really back to kind of the, the role that he's best suited in. Do you expect Taysom, as the season goes on, to continue to get more touches in the offense, especially with him being thin at, at receivers, you mentioned in other areas? Uh, it's not like he had one of those games where everyone was talking about him, right? But but he still, it seems like, going to be um, a pretty big piece in the offense just in terms of situational. Uh, I, it's not like he needs a, a, a pat on the back or anything, but to kind of handle losing the quarterback battle and then step right back into that old role. Uh, what are your thoughts on Taysom heading into, not just this week, but kind of his outlook for the rest of the season? Yeah, and listen, he made a couple plays. I think the advantage is the Swiss Army knife ability where 
Look, I, I think the challenge for defensive coordinators comes before the ball is even snapped. You see that Taysom and Jameis Winston are both in the huddle, and, and from a personnel standpoint, you're like, okay, well, where's this guy lining up? Is he going to line up at quarterback? Is he going to line up at tight end? Is he going to line up in the slot? Is he lining up at fullback? And how do we account for that defensively with our substitution? Uh, so I, I think the challenge starts pre-snap, which is what I think Sean Payton loves so much about what he brings to the team. And you know, look, he made a couple plays. He lined up at fullback and on a third and one, he got a carry for a first down. Uh, he actually threw a pass for a first down uh, to Tony Jones for a three yard gain in the red zone. So uh, he, he made, he made a couple plays there. I think it was one of those games where uh, they didn't have to lean on him. Obviously he had one red zone carry that was stuffed and didn't get a chance to run that one in, but uh, I still think he's very much a part of the Saints' red zone package. And you remember, he scored seven touchdowns last year. Uh, so when the Saints get close to the end zone, he's certainly a factor. And I, I think now that Jawan Johnson scores two touchdowns, that's going to be out on film. The cat's kind of out of the bag on him. I think he's going to start to get more attention. That only helps Taysom Hill in the red zone. So uh, he's going to get his day in the sun. And there's going to be games where – he has that long run or he makes that big play. Uh, it's only a matter of time. And uh, like you said, kudos to him for kind of accepting his role because uh, I think it's clear at this point that that really is his future in the NFL. ESPN 1420. All right, that is it with Andrew Juge. Final question for you, Andrew. We appreciate you taking the time. Um, I, I shouldn't end on this note, but what, what is your biggest concern moving forward for the Saints? Well, yeah, first of all, Scott, thanks for having me on. It's, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you and uh, happy, uh, happy to do it anytime. Uh, you know, I'll be honest, when, when you have a performance like that, uh, there's not a lot to concern yourself with. I mean, it really was top to bottom, a perfect performance against a, a team that hosted the NFC Championship game a year ago and had the reigning MVP at quarterback, and you pick them off twice, you hold them to three points. Uh, that That was as good of a performance as I've seen in Saints history, really, in, in Sean Payton era, I think this, this vaults into the top 10, maybe the top five in terms of regular season wins for Sean Payton in his career. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the first thing I would say is complacency. You just worry that, look, this is a big game coming up now. Week two, Carolina's 1-0. You're 1-0 as well. And on paper, you think Sam Darnold probably isn't worth much. Carolina's still a team that's trying to figure themselves out. And so this is absolutely a game the Saints should win, but it's an NFC South battle. You're on the road. And so I think sometimes, and Sean Payton even already said this, that James Winston stop eating the cheese. Don't let this go to your head because uh, now you're going on the road, division battle, two 1-0 teams, uh, and Carolina's going to be desperate to win this game. So uh, the Saints are going to have to refocus quickly. I, I, I just think sometimes also the Saints were kind of riding that, that, that purpose of, hey, Let's let's go out for the for the community for southeastern Louisiana and what they're dealing with with Ida and let's give them something to cheer for something to be happy about something to distract them uh, and sometimes you have a big letdown mentally emotionally after a win like that and so uh, refocusing on the task at hand this is going to be a big challenge coming up this week so uh, I would say just the complacency is one area uh, I mean look. I, I think the injuries and the guys missing, it's a lot. I mean, you were already missing Onyemata, Michael Thomas, Will Lutz, Traquan Smith. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are missing on this roster 
and then you're adding Lattimore and Onyemata, or I'm sorry, Lattimore and Davenport. Uh, maybe Eric McCoy is going to be out for a little bit with a calf strain. So uh, there's a number of key players on this team that are missing, and at some point you feel like it might be the straw that broke the camel's back. Now, kudos to the Saints for their depth and their development of some of these undrafted players. It's unbelievable how many undrafted players uh, had big moments and big roles in this game. Uh, but the Saints are missing a lot of key players. So it's, it's both scary in terms of the here and now uh, because they're going to be counting on guys that maybe won't have as big of roles down the road in, this season. Uh, but it's a little scary for other teams to see the Saints playing this well when you know they've got so many guys that will be eventually coming back to them. Great stuff. Andrew Juge has been our guest at Andrew Juge on Twitter. Uh, Saints Happy Hour podcast. You guys have heard me talk about it for years. Uh, this it just It's fun. It's Saints. It's jokes. It's football breakdown. If you love it, become a Patreon. Check out Juge's grades, among a lot of other great stuff they offer. He, Ralph, Dave, Kevin, they do a great job with it. They have for years. Uh, you know, I always support you guys, Andrew. All the best, man. Appreciate you taking the time. Be well. Anytime, Scott. Thanks for having me, and uh, looking forward to talking to you again down the road soon. Thanks, as always, for your support of the podcast. You got it. Can't wait. All right. That is it for this Wednesday edition of The Great Scott Show. Tomorrow, Norman Locke will join me in studio. We will dig into week two matchups. We'll dig into Louisiana versus Ohio, which is scheduled for tomorrow night. Dr. Magrid's scheduled to join us. It's going to be a great show. Don't go anywhere. Greenies next. It's ESPN1420.com.